Would you give a hand to all of those who join us through Facebook and our Eunice church.com website. In this series, as we bring it to completion, absolute freedom, that we have two choices. We can either be full, F-U-L-L, or we can be a full, F-O-O-L. In fact, when you are full, that is not equal to being a full. If you can stay full of the Spirit of God, then you can have the influence that he created you to have. You cannot give someone something that you do not have. You need to get better. And as you get better, everyone around you gets better. That's why we took our entire staff. They are leaders. They have influence. There are people around them that they influence and that they lead, just like you have people around you that you influence and that you lead. And when you get better, the people around you get better. So it's really important that we stay full of his spirit. John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, and then verse 36. I hope that some of you know it by heart by now. If you don't, I would encourage you, make it your screensaver or your uh, whatever shot there on the front of your phone or write it on a mirror because we all know that all of y'all look at yourself every day and you spend a lot of time doing it, some of you more than others, and uh, some of you just have to spend a little more time. It just takes a little bit more time to make that right. That's how it is with me. I spend more time in front of the mirror than my wife does because it just takes a little bit more time to make this look right, and she just wakes up, doesn't take as much effort, okay? So um, when you look at that mirror, write that scripture down, and here's what it says. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, or if you abide in me, then you are my disciples. It's crucial. If you want to be my disciple, you don't need to just receive me, but you need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. Then you are my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you shall make you free. I like that translation better than some translations that say sets you. We get really excited with some preachers, you know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I just need one of those organs that they had. Man, that was fun, but we'd be here all stinking day if I had one of those things. Um, But that word does not really mean sets because sets gives the perception that it's just a moment, like you had some chains on you, and then you are set free. Or you're behind a a jail cell, and the door was broken down, and you get to run out. And that is the case. That can be the case. That is a deliverance moment that is available for you. But what's even more powerful is that Jesus doesn't just set me free. He makes me free. He is willing to walk through the process of me receiving his freedom. That can be more than a moment. Verse 36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. This would be the only time today I made myself a promise. I wasn't going to do something that I didn't like doing, and I don't want to even make you turn to your neighbor. I just want you to say it with me. I can be absolutely free. One more time. I can be absolutely free. Now, look at your neighbor. I'm just kidding. No, you don't have to do that. I didn't even really like it when I was there. I made you do that. But I will one day if I get too excited. I may say it. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Jesus did not die a puny death 
nor was he partially resurrected. Therefore, we do not have to live a puny life or be partially restored. Jesus came and he died and he was resurrected so that we can have and abide in absolute freedom. Now, if you were as Pentecostal as I am, that would have given you something to shout about, but we're still working. We're going to get it there. We're going to get there. Freedom is a process. Just as much as it is a moment, it is a process. Can you be free in a moment? Absolutely, but it is more than a moment. It will begin with a moment. Now watch this. As you have new moments, then you will create new memories, and ultimately you will have a new mindset. The more moments, the more memories, the newer the mindset. Now, I do give you permission if your neighbor's falling asleep to look over them, slap them three times just to make sure they stay involved this morning. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, when we were in youth ministry, we had this young lady that had started coming to our church, and, and she, was, she, just, she had a lot of things that she was dealing with and that she would probably deal with for a long time, um, barring her, her new perspective and a new understanding that God actually had for her, but and she would, lived with her grandmother and didn't really know her dad or her parents, and she was getting involved in our group, and Jesus was really working in her life, and, and she came to me, and she asked me, because she didn't know where her daddy was, she was on the dance team at the high school. They were called the Golden Girls. And she said, she texted or called us and got in touch. And she said, I, I want to ask um, you if you would dance with me for the, the daddy-daughter dance on the football field to perform at halftime with the Golden Girls. And I said, baby, listen, I would love to, I would love to do that. But what you need to know is that this pastor can sing, okay? And this pastor can preach, but there's not a whole lot of dance in this white-bearded brother, okay? I just want to let you know ahead of time that there is some soul in here, but it ends with dance. And I will give my best, but I can't promise you anything. She said, I don't care. I just, I just want you to, to be down there with me. And I said, then I will give it everything I have. I'll be at every practice I can be at. And I would, I will be honored and humbled to be able to have that moment with you. And so I did. And I showed up that night and we had been told what to wear, you know, just like every other day of our lives. And we came in and I had, thank you. Um, so we, I had this white button down shirt and, and I was instructed, I tucked it in, you know, and I had my, my jeans on and I was in East Texas. So I, I wore my boots that night cause I can be all things to all men. So I had my boots on and my, my, my jeans and my shirt was tucked in and man, we went into this dance and there was this one part in the dance where the girls would start kicking, you know, and then all the dads were supposed to start kicking. So I was like, yeah, you know, I got this, I got this part. Well, then I, I thought, I'm going to show how high. I still got some kick in me. And I used to kind of punt in high school. I'd stretch out on first base, and I could get this far from the ground doing the splits, you know, and I'd, I'd punt a little bit, and I'd be able to almost kick myself in the face, or I'd give it a shot. So, so I was on the football field, and I was in my shirt and in my pants, and, and I went to get a big old high round kick, and when I kicked up, I got up there. Ain't no joke. I got up there, but I got so high up there that my pants couldn't withstand the pressure, and right here in the crotch. I ripped my pants. They blew out. <laughs> blew out right there in the middle. I'm talking about a seven inch gap right in the middle of my pants. And I felt it. <laughs> and I was, I knew I could feel the breeze. It wasn't a warm night. 
And then thank God, in the middle of that, we were supposed to turn around. Y'all, I untucked my shirt faster than on my wedding night. It was a moment. I got it out of, and I covered that, I covered that rip in my pants. And, and, and thank God, I mean, it was my shirt tail was long enough, and the people were asking me, why did you do? And I started telling them, and man, by the end of the night, 400 people knew why I untucked my shirt right in the middle of that thing. I had to go home and change and come back. Well, hey, why well, you got different pants on? Because the last one's ripped, jerk. Okay, so, but listen, I have never again tried to kick that high in pants that were that tight ever again have I tried to do that because I had a new moment (laughs) that produced a memory that changed my mindset to my current capabilities okay listen to me I'm telling you today you can have a new moment that creates a new memory that can change your mindset of who you are in Jesus Christ and the capability that he has placed on the inside of you not just to receive salvation not just to inherit some freedom but to operate in it and begin to accomplish what he created you for you can have as many moments as you need to create as many memories as you need so that that you can have the new mindset that will change your perspective and therefore change your behavior. Because if you can affect your own belief, then you will change in Jesus' name how you behave. It may be a moment of deliverance that you need, but it may be some mileage of discipleship that you need. Do I need deliverance or discipleship? Do I need a moment or some mileage? The answer is yes. Will I be free at a point or through a process? The answer is yes. Will I I receive freedom in the altar of prayer or in a prayer of salvation? Yes. Or do I need to go to the freedom classes to learn a new perspective and discipleship myself some more, disciple myself some more? Do I need to read and study? Does it happen in the altar? or does it happen in my bedroom, in my prayer time, in my study, in my habits? The answer is always and shall forever be yes. But you can't keep putting the same old things in you and expect new things to come out of you. So you can't continue to put drugs and alcohol, lust, pornography, a spirit of materialism I'll even go as far to say, if Jesus made me quit, I'm going to let you just have some conviction as well this morning. If I can't have tobacco, then you can't have tobacco, baby, because ain't nobody in here that wants it more than I do most of the time. I spent five years addicted to something, and my desire for it ain't gone, but I don't do it. I like to watch movies that kind of startle me a little bit, suspenseful films, but I'm not going to have it playing in my living room because whatever I turn on in my house has the potential to come into my house. Let me take it a little bit further just for all the really spiritual types. We cannot hold just those things to gluttony and call that sin because gluttony applies to the dinner table just to, hey, my bad. I done stepped on something. Somebody was standing where I was preaching and I about tripped. We can't just hold people accountable to our own personal convictions and not look at our lives and hold ourselves accountable too because gluttony doesn't just apply to excessive sin. It applies to excessive anything. And we can't keep putting the same old things in us and expecting it not to affect us. So watch this. Instead of carrying it, confess it. 
confess it. Because if you will confess before God and man, then you will be more accountable before God and man. Confess it. Don't carry it. Let Jesus change it. I know that our flesh sometimes, the scripture says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I get it, okay? And sometimes the desire in our flesh feels more like a sumo wrestler than it does a skeleton, okay? It feels like a big old guy in some kind of weird underwear. We are in the 21st stinking century. We could change that. Update your outfit, son. I don't know why they got to wear that same old garb for the last 200 or however many years. We could change that, but I'm telling you, your flesh is not actually a sumo wrestler. It's really just a big old teddy bear in a weird pair of underwear, okay? You can, you don't have to be controlled by that thing. And in fact, if you will learn how to starve what seems like to be a sumo wrestler, then that sumo wrestler of a flesh that you're struggling with and dealing with, you can starve that thing out and it will become a skeleton that dies and is a part of your past instead of a part of your present. Because there is nothing in me that's going to make me fail you and my family and the ministry that God has put in me because I can't do it. I got to starve it. And that's why the scripture says, shun even the very appearance of evil, because God wants us to be holy, not just happy. He wants us to be more than happy. We can starve that thing out. Let me give you some scripture references. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness, Ephesians 3, 16. From the riches of His glory, we are strengthened with power through His Spirit in our innermost being. Colossians 1.11 Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious, that's why we say glory to glory because that was the atmosphere in which we were created to be and when we're in the atmosphere of which we were created to be, we will not do the things that we were not created for. According to His glorious might so that you may be Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Matthew chapter 12. We read this passage in the past but I want to go back to it this morning. I want to make a point and I want to give you hope. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, when you experience deliverance, that spirit goes through dry places Seeking rest, and yet he finds none. Verse 44. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Because the enemy likes to return to a place that he already has a stronghold. He likes to return to a place that he's familiar with. He doesn't like to learn a new way. He's not God. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. And the enemy, the powers and principalities of darkness that come against you, they have to watch and learn before they can ever steal, kill, and destroy. Then he goes and takes with him, I'm sorry, he will return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, watch this, he finds it empty. You don't have to turn to your neighbor, but I just want you to say it. Say empty. <laughs> he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. That's today's church. We look real good in here. But we don't look so good out there. We look real good in our presentation. But we don't look so good in our spirit. The Bible says He goes 
and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. But it shall not be with me. We need to declare today that though it was, and though we may have been in the past, we don't have to continue to be empty. Now I love, this is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Okay, I'm going to get to this in just a second. But when I begin to talk about prayer and fasting, when I begin to talk about not eating, an immediately uh, immediate wall goes up um, in me. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with me about fasting, maybe just lunch for a few days, I begin to do what we were talking about earlier. Well, that's not God. That's just me having some weird thought. You know, that's just. But obviously, the devil wants me to fast and pray. That's the enemy wanting me to. No, no, no. But I began to just have these conversations because, man, I worked really hard to put on muscle mass and I just get skinny and I don't want to look like Hank Hill from King of the Hill because that's what my body does when I start fasting and stop lifting. That's what happens to me. When that happens, I begin to automatically put up a wall. If I ask you today, I just want you to eat today and then for the rest of the week, we're going to pray and fast. Or if I begin to pitch to you the idea that the prophet Daniel participated in, and I call that a Daniel fast, and we've done that, um, we've done that, and we recommend that as a great fast for you to be involved in. Daniel basically fasted meat, dairy, and anything sweet. All of you guys are like, whoa there, Bible boy, okay? <laughs> Take it easy on the fasting spirit, Prince, okay? <laughs> just, just calm down for a minute. If I ask you not to eat lunch for the next three days and spend that time in prayer with the Lord, you think, oh, that's too spiritual, and it doesn't take all that. But let me tell you this this morning. Eating once a week and expecting to be full is foolish. Amen. And some of you already know where I'm going, but I just want to make sure you understand that eating once a week and expecting to be full is foolish. Your spirit will turn into a skeleton. Yeah. You will dry up. You will be dead. And you will be empty. And you will be a playground for the enemy. Because eating once a week and expecting to be full is foolish. Yeah. See, I, I need to confess something today. And not like last week when it was awkward, awkward because I didn't communicate it well. And some of you know what I mean. <laughs> But, uh, but legitimately, I, I just need to confess today, I was talking about uh, gluttony a few minutes ago, and, and I just need to be honest. I am, I am legitimately, I, this is going to make me feel better, I am a gumbo gluttony. Okay, like I, I'm just, praise the Lord, hallelujah. We got to have something to clap for, my Lord. <laughs> Troy University, what in the world is going on around here? Lord, I don't even I didn't even know that until right before service. I was working in Houston, came home to never mind. So I am a gumbo. Listen, I don't I eat like three and a half bowls glut glutton every time I have gumbo. I'm like three and a half bowls glutton. Because I get the first bowl and I start to enjoy it. And somebody, when I moved down here for the first time in my life, they introduced me to, to just homemade potato salad in my gumbo. 
And I'm thankful that my mama wasn't standing anywhere nearby because my hand went to tremble. And I said, woman, get back away from me. There's a slap inside of me. I didn't know this could be that good. And I filled that bowl up and I began to eat things inside of that gumbo that I didn't even know what it was. It was so good. There was all kinds of stuff in there. Some of it was chewy. Some of it was tangy. It didn't matter to me. It was in there and I was loving it. Okay, so I refilled my bowl like any good man would do. Then a, a lady brought some food to his house. I, I got me another bowl. Well, then I had just a little bit of potato salad and juice at the bottom of that bowl. Well, you got to have meat with the juice and potato salad. So I went back and I got me another spoonful. Well, then I thought, well, I need some more gravy. And then it just got too watery, so I added some more potato salad. And I went back one more time, and I'm three and a half bowls in hurting. You know what I'm saying? I am, I am hurting. Everybody else is eating dessert. I'm still on my third and a half bowl, and I am happy. I'm happy. But can I just tell you that no matter how much I eat on Sunday, on Monday I'm going to need to eat again. Yeah. Or I'm going to get hungry. In fact, by Monday at about lunchtime, if I hadn't eaten since Sunday night, no matter how much gumbo I may have had that afternoon or that evening, no matter how many bowls of glutton I went into, if I don't eat on Monday, by about Monday at lunch... I'm getting hangry. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Hungry angry. Like there is something rising up on the inside of me and it ain't nobody else's fault. I'm getting hungry, hungry, hangry, hungry. Because if I'm not full, if I'm not full, then my natural tendency is to return to foolish. Because I can't expect to eat once a week and be full. That's foolish. The psalmist says it this way, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now before you just dismiss yourself this morning, I want to ask you this question that I had to ask myself. Do I really believe in Jesus if I never spend any time with Him? Do I really love Jesus if I only come and gather with other people to be around Him? Do I really love Jesus if I don't let Him walk with me every day, if I don't sit down and spend some time in His Word or in prayer, and I only see Him when I'm around other people, that's not a friend. That's an acquaintance. I was writing on Friday. I stayed in the hotel because I wanted to meet the team. I got to send my wife and the staff home. I was in the hotel on Friday and I was writing this message and I got right here in this message and I just stopped. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. Jesus, please forgive me for not spending more time with you. For not praying more. For not studying more on my own. Forgive me for the times that I've only studied twice a week to write a message and present it to other people. And, and listen, here's what I want to help some of you this morning. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I was in my hotel room at my desk, not by myself. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and He said, Hey, you're doing a good job. You just need to keep going. In fact, He said, you're doing a good job, son. You just need to keep going. I'm here to tell some of you today. Maybe you are challenged by this. Maybe you need to do a better job. But for some of you, you need to hear the heart of the Father that wants to sit with you and hold you and spend every day with you. You need to be told He's not mad at you 
He's not angry with you. If you're doing better than you were last week, then you're doing a good job. You just need to keep going. That's our vision here at New Hope. To meet people and grow closer to God together. You are not alone. You are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. And it should inspire you. When you begin to understand how much God loves you and how much He wants to spend time with you, you won't be bound by guilt and shame or busyness. You'll want to stop and spend time with Him. You'll hear Him saying, you're doing a good job. Just keep going. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Just write it down and read it on the screen with me because I'm going to jump quickly. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. What is the will of God? Ephesians chapter 5, write this one down. If you're taking notes, write the will of God, real big. Write Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 says this, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. It's really not that hard to figure it out. All you have to do is look a little bit. Verse 19 Do not be drunk with wine. Let me just, this is what they dealt with that day. Okay? Do not be consumed with lust. Do not be consumed with the desire for attention from other people. Do not be consumed with the desire to constantly be entertained at whatever the cost. Do not be consumed by a habit or an addiction of any sort. Do not be consumed by the ways of this world. This is what Paul's saying. Do not be drunk. Oh, I don't get drunk with wine. No, but there are other areas in your life that represent being drunk with wine that if you would get that out of the way, then you would make room for what God has. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. You can look that up later. But be filled. Be filled. With the Spirit. What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? It's not just a moment where we have a laying on of hands and people convulse and spit and slobber and are slammed and slain. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm actually very thankful for those moments that I've had in the presence of God where I was so overwhelmed that I was drawn back and I fell to the ground. That I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I began to pray in a language that I had never learned. I'm thankful for those. I'm not belittling those. But we've got to take that experience and turn it into an expression of being filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. There is a Spirit on the inside of us that calls out, whether you've had that experience or not, there is a spirit on the inside of you that calls out, Abba, Father, and it can only be filled by spending time with God. If you want to be free, then you've got to be full. And you've got to spend time with God. You've got to develop. Develop. Not just have. You're not going to leave this place today and, and, and have a... 
a, a powerful prayer life that you've never had before. But you need to develop your prayer life. You need to develop a prayer life. What does that look like? I don't know. I can't tell you what your personal relationship with Jesus is going to look like on a daily basis. I just know that you need to begin having conversations with Jesus. In fact, this Wednesday night, I'm going to go over four points, four reasons that our prayers are not answered. And I would like to invite you to eat more than once this week and come on Wednesday night and join us. My Lord, my bad. If you never come on Wednesday night, I am offending you right now. So just take it in the chin, put it in your Bible and bring it back with you on Wednesday night. We can all have a good time together. I'm going to talk about prayer. I'm going to give you four reasons that our prayers may not be answered. What is prayer? It's just a conversation with Jesus. It's what happened to me in the hotel room when nobody else was around. But it's also what happened to me on the way home when, I, when there were people around. Because my conversation does, with Jesus does not cease with amen. That is not a period on the sentence. That is a let it be that just confirms what I prayed. And now I'm going to continue on and I shall pray without ceasing because Jesus doesn't want me to just pray to him. He wants me to live with him. Jesus wants to be involved in everything I do. He wants to be involved in my study. He wants me. He wants to be involved in my exercise. He wants to be involved in my lunch. <laughs> when I eat it, praise the Lord. He wants to be involved in my life. Let me give you an example. I am covenanted to Jesus. And uh, you guys can join me up here. I'm covenanted to Jesus. You know what? I want the whole team to come today. Can I do that? Can we do that? I'm sorry, that's a last minute thing. The Lord spoke this to me during worship. And go to uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is. Just kind of play that softly for a few minutes. Don't be distracted by them. And you guys go quietly and don't make a bunch of scenes and stuff behind me. But I am covenanted, which means I, I was His bride before she was my bride. You, you understand that. I don't have a problem admitting even as a man, especially as a man, that I am the bride of Christ. I am in a marriage with Him. I am covenanted, covenanted to Him. That means I want to spend every waking moment that I can with Him. It was good for me to be in the hotel room yesterday without the staff, without my wife, without my children. It was healthy, but I didn't like it. Because I like when my wife is around. And, and even after like, you know, three or four Okay, it's more like seven or eight days away from my kids. Like, I get a little anxious, you know? But I'm telling you, if my wife and my kids are not around, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even hardly content. Like, I'm fighting it off. But yesterday, I discovered something, and I was explaining this to Gabriel last night. I was rocking him, and, he, and we were talking about, man, I missed you this week. And he said, I, I miss you too, Daddy. You know, he's rocking, we're going to sleep, and he's about to go to bed, and, and I hadn't seen him all week, and I was excited to be just holding him and rocking him. He's like, I want Mama to rock. I said, I don't care what you want, son. I'm holding you right now. <laughs> and I was rocking him, and, and I said, man, I, I missed you this week. I don't want Mama to rock you. I want to rock you. Because Mama's been home for the last day, and, and I, was, I, I was away the whole week. I was at the hotel yesterday, and, and, and Mama wasn't there, and you weren't there, and I missed y'all. And he said, Daddy, you was, listen, you was by yourself? And I started to say, yeah, and then I stopped myself. I said, no, maybe I wasn't by myself. Jesus was with me. 
He said, how do you know? <laughs> and I said, because I spent time with him and I talked to him and he spoke back to me. Jesus was with me. I was not alone. I wasn't all by myself. You're not by yourself. And you may not be able to hear his voice like you want to. You may not be as full as you want to be, but that's okay. You're doing a good job. Just keep going. I want to talk to you quickly about worshiping Jesus at the well. See, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well. This may be one of my favorite stories. Because Jesus meets this woman and then he asks her for a drink of water. And she says, why do you ask me for a drink of water? And he says, well, if you knew who I was, then you'd ask me for a drink of water. And they're having this weird conversation. And then he says, because the water that I give, whoever drinks of it will never thirst again. In fact, living water will spring up within them. She's like, sir, how do I have this water? How do I, how do I have a drink of this water that will cause me to never thirst again? And living water will spring up in my soul. How does this happen? I want that. And he says, go get your husband and bring him back. And she does what we do. I don't have a husband. She said, Jesus looks at her and he says, you're right. For you've been with six men, five men and the one that you're now with is not your husband. And then she believes in him because he told her that. She says, you must be a prophet that you're able to tell me these things. You must be a prophet of some sort that I, I've never really met before. How do, you, how do you know this thing? You're right. I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. Watch this. And then Jesus says to her in verse 23 of John chapter 4. Watch. The hour is coming and now is. When we're not worshipping on mountains any longer. We're not just looking for the high moment any longer. Where you don't have to climb anymore. But when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in honesty or truth. For the Father is not seeking people that can have a mountaintop moment. He is seeking people that will worship Him and seek Him in worship every day in every way. Verse 24, because God is spirit and He's not bound by any place. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in the truth. I believe that Jesus is trying to tell somebody something today. That you're not going to have to climb the mountain anymore to get to Jesus. You're not going to have to go up there any longer. You can just come to the well. You don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not. And you don't have to try to pay a debt that you can't afford. I'm not up there, Jesus says. I'm down here where you are. I don't even want to be on the mountain where you have to climb on occasion. I want to be at the well that you can draw from every day. That's why I knit you together in your mother's womb. It's why I created you in my image and likeness. It's why I fashioned you for a purpose and I began a good work in you. Do you not know that I am faithful and just and I will complete what I started? It's more than a moment. It's the mileage that I want to step in this life with you. I want to meet you at the well. I'm not interested in the highs that you can achieve. I'm interested in the depth of your daily discipline. I'm not going to send myself any longer. I'm going to send you my spirit to walk with 
you every day. And he's going to fill you with the fullness of the Father. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm telling you that the army of heaven is bigger than the army of hell. And those that are for you are greater than those who are against you. And if you could just get the spirit of God on the inside of you, if you'd start eating more than once a week or once a month, then you can be full. And in fullness of God, you won't be in the foolishness of the world. There's an army that wants to fight for you and fight with you. And it's bigger than the army that failed. So Romans 12.1 says it this way. And I use the New Living Translation. Paul says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you. I'm asking you, because of what God's done for you, would you give yourself back to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God? For this is truly the way, not just reasonable service, and we need to fix that, reasonable service, but this is the way to worship him. This is true and proper Worship. That's what God desires. Not just a mountaintop moment. Anybody can have that. Lucifer had that. And it wasn't enough. He lacked the day-to-day discipline involved in an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore he and a third of heaven fell to their death. You don't have to. Because he's already done it for you. He went down where you would have gone. So that you can come up to where he is. Every day. It's not about the mountain. It's about the well. Worship at the well. Would you bow your head and close your eyes quickly this morning? If there's anybody in here that doesn't know where they stand with Jesus. If there's anybody in here that's not saved. You've never asked Jesus into your heart or it's been a really long time since you've asked Jesus into your heart and you would just like to make your relationship right with God today in Jesus' name. You just want to be included in this prayer. I'm not even going to ask you to come forward this morning. You just want to be included in this prayer. You say, Pastor, that's me and I want to leave this place knowing today that I'm saved. Would you lift up your hand right where you are? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make sure that my heart's right with God today. I want to receive salvation. Let me ask you a second question. If you know that you have drifted away in your relationship with God, and you felt more dry recently than you have full, and today you want to make that right, would you lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I want to make that right today. Church, would you pray this prayer with me right where you are? Would you say, Jesus, forgive me for where I've fallen short. That's sin. And it separates me from you. I don't want to be separated. 
I want to be forgiven. Save me and cleanse me. Come into my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, I want you to stand with us today. And for the next five minutes, we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to praise the Lord because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're just going to kind of be free for a second to worship him and to honor him for all that he's done. And if you don't really feel like it, I want you to rebuke that devil and make yourself honor and praise 